All right. Welcome to the latest episode of the Dan Time Podcast, number 15. I'm your host, Dan McArdle. I always say something similar, as you know, in this spot, but it's truly good to be speaking to you today. I've been well under the weather, let's just put it that way, for a couple weeks, and my voice has suffered as a result. So with these episodes spaced a week apart, I've been able to focus on my recovery and get a serviceable version of me presented to you today. Make sure you take care of yourself as best you can this winter. I'm going to keep it vague, but you know there's some junk out there just ready to plant itself in you and take you down. Try not to let that happen. Sometimes you just can't do anything about it, but there's your advice. Okay, for those of you paying attention, there was no Friday challenge on the socials this week. I'm sure I disappointed Dozens of people, It actually, but it actually gave me time to rethink the concept. I may come back and rebrand it as more of a Friday check-in, but it, it won't be, hey, here's what I've been up to, this is what I've been doing this week. If you want to hear me talk about me, the best chance, probably in this intro, or to get deep into an episode, depending on the flow of the conversation. So the Friday challenge thing will still be some prodding some suggestions for you and sure some challenges from time to time okay folks my guest today dan thomas dan thomas where do i begin how do i properly introduce this guy i know you don't know him yet but you're gonna love what we dive into here first of all i'm just gonna say dan thomas is a man with a giant heart big big heart he loves what he does and dare I say, he loves connecting with his audience. He believes in the good of people. And Dan Thomas truly makes it fun to follow Dan Thomas music. Look him up on Facebook, on Instagram. And if you connect with the songs, you're going to love the material on those pages. Now, once you get past him just being a real likable guy, you get to the music, get to the meat of it. I'm so fortunate that I landed on his page, I heard the songs, I reached out, made the connection, and got the buy-in on his part to do the Dan Time podcast. Dan's songs are deep. They're heavy. They will grab you. You're going to go to a place that maybe you haven't been to in a while. Maybe you're not sure you want to go there. But these are some deeply introspective songs that touch on heartbreak, self-reflection, relationship turmoil, and also profound grief. But there are also songs such as All the World's a Stage that encourage the listener to, quote, get outside your head and see the world for a while. Dan was so gracious with his time. This is a far-reaching conversation. We have some laughs. Of course we do. But we also get real. And we sit on some topics and we explore. And I so admire how Dan is willing to confront all these different emotions in his songs and open himself up for the world to see. There are lots of chances to see Dan perform in December if you live in the UK, Germany, the Netherlands, Luxembourg. Be sure to go to Dan Thomas Music, like and follow his page, and you can see his tour dates on the cover page. And just announced, coming September 2024, Dan Thomas will be performing in the U.S. and Canada. Can't wait to see what dates materialize there. If you listen to the show, 
and you live in one of these countries and you go see Dan Thomas perform, number one, go say hi to the guy. Number two, drop me a note. I will have a special Dan Time one-of-a-kind piece of memorabilia just for you. I promise you that. Okay, the social media pages at Dan Thomas Solo on Instagram, Dan Thomas Music on YouTube, DanThomasSolo.com is the website, and Dan Thomas Music on Facebook. There is a video component to this episode. Now, it won't be released at the same time as you're hearing the audio version, but stay tuned as I will be uploading the unedited video version to YouTube. Gets a little wacky. That's all I'll say. Just some unexpected diversions on my part. That's all I'll say. But stay tuned for the video companion piece. All right, without further ado, let's get right to it. Folks, it is Dan Thomas time. Dan, this is, I feel like I've known you for at least a couple years, just our preliminary conversation here. Um, I'm having a ball just chatting you up right now. Uh, the folks at home or listening, wherever you're listening, if you're going for a jog, if you're on, uh, if you're in your car, Dan Thomas, where do I begin here? Dan, you asked me, and I would have been curious as well, when we were confirming our, our time schedules, hey, Dan, oh, by the way, where did you discover me? And I said, well, I ran a Google search on Dan and musician or Dan songwriter. And I landed on your website, and I was a couple tracks in, and I thought, I've got to at least reach out to this guy. Because, again, some people assume that I just contact anybody, and that's not true. Um, if I see a story there or I see something original um, that I just think would be a great guest and someone that would be very appealing and inspirational to my listeners, uh, I at least take a shot. So, Dan, just thank you for making time for the podcast today. And thank you for that uh, that very flattering uh, introduction. Um, yeah, I did. I did laugh when I got your email that said I googled Dan and musician, and <laughs> that really did. I, I that gave me a chuckle. I enjoyed that. But uh, no, thank you for reaching out. It's uh, the the fun thing is that when I at first got your email, like I've spent I've been doing this for a little while now, and anytime I see emails anything that resemble that at all for the longest time they're not one they're not really you can tell that they're not really addressed to you and they're quite generic and so I'm kind of used to sort of seeing those and feeling like yeah this isn't someone who actually wants to interview me but then I actually looked and saw okay no he's he is addressing me by name like there are details in there, so I'm just about getting to that stage at my with of my career now, if I can call it that, uh, where I'm getting genuine offers to come and do these sorts of things, and I'm like, oh, that's nice. Um, so I'm still not used to it. So I still looked at the emails like, hmm, I don't know. Let me let me look into this guy. Let me see see his podcast. I'm like, oh, it's a it's a real podcast. Yep, this is this is legit. All right, I'll I'll email him back. I'll see what happens. And uh, yeah, I'm glad I did because. Like you said up top, the uh, the conversation so far has been what we would call sparkling. <laughs> yes. Well, we both have small children, and so we had um, some very relatable. We had a very relatable discussion about that. And Dan, when I when I first visited your site, and I always like to check, you know, if somebody at least has their music out there for download. That's important too because I want to be able to promote it. So uh, you can find Dan Thomas 
on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you find uh, on any streaming platform. Uh, the artwork really jumped out at me. I thought, well, that's really neat and, um, and original, and it's, it's really eye-catching. And then when I jumped into some of the tracks here, I think in particular, Loving You Ain't Fun Anymore, this is on, this is on the latest release. I thought, and I thought, is Dan peering into my past? Uh, it feels like he's describing <laughs> a relationship, a relationship to the T. And then I got to Ghost in the Mirror. I mean, that one really uh, hit me deep. And, and they, I feel like there's something for everyone here, Dan. What I like about your music is it's introspective, but you you go to places that some songwriters don't quite go they don't quite go that far and and these are subjects that are near and dear to people they are deep in their minds deep in their conscience and it may be some things they don't want to think about anymore but but i think it's healthy to address some of this stuff and without me rambling too much more take me through your songwriting and how some of these songs like these come out you know loving you ain't fun anymore the darkness in me i watched that video it took me back to that time period and the isolation which i think is still relevant to some people today just uh, take me through some of your um your creative process well i i I, I don't know. I, for those of you who are watching the video version of this, uh, you can see there's a small white door behind me. And after that, uh, that very glowing uh, set of uh, reviews from uh, the wonderful Mr. McArdle here, I don't know if I'll be able to get my head through that door anymore. Because, uh, yeah, so thank you very much for all of that. Um, yeah, no, uh, writing process, it's like, with me, it's... It, the key thing for me is, is, is to find a, a hook, like a... Um, like a, a melodic hook with the vocal when i'm sitting down to write it, it varies but the general trend has been that i will have a guitar in hand and i'll just i'll play around trying to find a chord sequence that i like uh just to just to see if that I'll, I'll feel like that there's something i can work with and then once i've got that i'll just like hum or just make like phonetic noises just to to see if I can find a, a tune that I like. But once I've found that uh, melodic hook, like a, a good example is it in the song uh, Holding On To You, when I kind of came up with that, and I'm holding on to that, that melody, I was like, oh, okay, yep, that is, that's that's something. It's not there yet, but there's there's a that's an idea that's worth chasing. And then once I've got that, that's when you kind of develop, for me, you develop what the melody is going to be. And then you write the lyrics and then you kind of massage the two together to see how it works. Sometimes the, the lyrics end up influencing the way that the melody goes, like it changes it a little bit. Uh, and then and then sometimes the lyrics just, I, I spend time just going, no, the melody has to be that. The lyrics have to fit here. So it's a case of trying to chop things and get syllables out in places and then eventually it, it feels right. Sometimes it's a really quick thing. And sometimes it takes absolutely forever. And sometimes there are songs that have been in the works for years and they still haven't found their right, their final format. The, the interesting that you mentioned Ghost in the Mirror, that started life as a as a rock song. That was very kind of, that melody was very... Uh, uh, but me and my producer kept looking at, at recording that one and then it never... 
we never we were never entirely happy with how it sounded and then i started playing with because uh, i really love fleetwood mac and i partic- i like the uh, like the lindsey buckingham mirror fleetwood mac because lindsey buckingham is oh, he's an incredible guitarist yeah. and uh i i wanted to I really love the song Landslide that Stevie Nicks wrote with him playing guitar. Uh, and you've got uh, that finger picking pattern. And up until that point, I and still I still am to a degree. Like I, I've not been like a finger picky guitarist. I'm more like a I'm a strummer with a plectrum. But I thought I really want to learn that song and play it properly. Um, so there's a there's a, a picking style called a Travis picking. Um, and it's named after a, an old country guitarist named Merle, Merle Travis. Uh, Mel Travers, beg your pardon, uh, and it involves like your thumb going between two bass strings, and then your your index finger and your middle finger like picking two higher notes, uh, which when you get it to speed comes up gets with that. If you're familiar with the song Landslide, it goes to that do 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 do. It's like that very kind of going between the notes in a really like beautiful wavy kind of sound and I thought I really 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 want to learn how to play that and I finally managed to crack that and then I sat down with Ghost in the Mirror and thought I wonder what that sounds like with that kind of with with that kind of playing to it and it just completely transformed how the song sounded and I immediately called my producer and said Martin I've got something I need to we need to do this you mentioned Fleetwood Mac and the timeless quality to their songs Fleetwood Mac is not 70s music, it's not 80s music. Those songs, and I remember hearing the dance for the first time, and they were not really on my wavelength at that time. I was listening to a lot harder and heavier music, but I was working in a record store, and I think that's around the time that it was released, and I just love, I mean, I play drums, so I just love Mick Fleetwood's sound on that album. It was so crisp, just so in the pocket, and... The dance is an incredible record. (laughs) Christy McVie and just the way they complement each other and yeah i you know i don't want to say that uh dan thomas is a spitting image of fleetwood mac but i see what you're saying Ah. there when i listen to your tracks going back to that timeless quality dan thomas's songs they don't sound like songs from the from the 2020s or the early 2000s or the 90s they just kind of have a quality to them that 10 15 20 years from now or longer They'll still be very appealing. Um, You also seem to harness this energy into your songs where they could be blown up in an arena. Like you could play some of these tracks on a grander scale and it might work. You know, I think All the World's a Stage, the the, the chorus in that song um, is just a booming chorus. And uh, yeah, I could see where some of this stuff, you almost have some freedom there where you can take it to an intimate audience or you could take it to tens of thousands of people and reinterpret it. Is that? Do you go nah. for that, or does it just come out that way? It's like, yeah, it's it's not. It's it's definitely not something. I mean, thank you once again for that beautiful compliment. Uh, it's not something that I think. I I don't. I never think about it in terms of like where these songs are going to be played. I'm usually. I'm just like. It's in terms of where it all comes from. I mean. I, I don't want to get too uh, too artistic about it all, but it's like it's there's that whole idea of like no one ever really knows where it comes from, and like a lot of us in the artist community often feel like we're it's like we're channeling something, like just it's almost like you you black out and then you come to and go oh there's this 
there's this thing there's this piece of art and and who knows it's kind of like it's ephemeral isn't it it just kind of comes out of the ether but uh it's usually i find it's there's something on my mind and then i just i'll find a mood and kind of go right okay there's a mood to this what kind of what am i thinking about what's been bothering me uh the uh, that that fits with that, or I'll, I I have or I also have a bunch of notes. Excuse me on my phone uh, that uh, where I've just like written down little ideas. Maybe it's a little lyric or two. Maybe it's just, it's literally nothing but here's an idea for a song, something about this. Write it when you get the chance, and I just I'll flick through and find something. Go, oh yeah, that that'll fit quite well with with this, and it just it comes out that way. It's it's never been a case of like. Oh, could this? Does this sound? Is this something that could be replicated in like an arena or anything? I, I have never dared to dream yet that my music would be played in in arenas. At the, at the moment, I'm I'm I've I've been playing in uh, in the corner of uh, of pubs and and bars and or any uh, like small grassroots music venues that uh, are generous enough to to have me play. I've I I, I don't have any kind of like grand. I don't, I don't. I have no delusions of grandeur about what I do and what I write. I mean, but all of that stuff would be absolutely lovely, and I would never deny that. But yeah, it's um yeah. So I, I guess, like I say, I guess the, the short answer to that is uh, no. I don't ever think about what the how they would sound in an arena setting, but uh, I might start to now. <laughs> well, there's just a. I I feel like there's a real authenticity to these songs, and there's also some female vocals. And I was going to ask about that. Who is the uh, the backing singer on some of those tracks, like I, I think it's the Ghost of Me and Loving You Ain't Fun Anymore, and maybe a couple others. Uh, so there's a couple of different people. Uh, the one on Loving You Ain't Fun Anymore is uh, is my wife. Uh, that's that's Nicola Thomas. Uh, and uh, just for, for those of you that haven't uh, haven't heard it, uh, it, may, it might might be funny the fact that I'm saying that my wife sings on a song called Loving You Ain't Fun Anymore. Um, but that that song is about an ex lover of mine uh, from. A very long time ago um and yeah she's she's always loved that because that one my wife has loved that one sorry because uh it's just it's got all that that kind of country music vibe to it i remember i wrote that song on a plane uh and i i, I, I don't actually drink alcohol anymore at the time i still did and i think i was just drinking whiskeys on a plane and i and i just thought i'm just gonna attempt to channel my inner chris stapleton and uh and see what kind of like whiskey tinged heartbreak song I could come out because I was listening to a lot of that kind of that kind of country music at the time. I I, I love people like Chris Stapleton and Jason Isbell and like those kind of singer songwriter, not necessarily in mainstream Nashville country sounding uh, country singers. And I thought, what's what's my what's my version of that? What what's mine and and I just went back to a well that I've been back to many times, which is uh, this one particular relationship that, uh, for uh, f- for the sake of decency, I will never name the person in question. Uh, and I do genuinely hope that she is happy these days. But uh, yeah, we were not right for each other, and it manifested in some ugly ways in in our relationship. Uh, I like what you say in the song because um, this again really spoke to me. Um, step by step here, um, especially where the your family and friends, my friends and family told me that you were no good for me and I was heading for disaster. It was plain to see. That's exactly 
I think what has happened to a lot of people, if you <laughs> get to be in your 30s or 40s or older and you didn't marry your high school sweetheart, you're not still, you know, you've probably gone through some version of this. Um, d- depending on the type of person you are, I mean, you don't recognize yourself at an earlier age as just prey for the wrong type of person. I mean, they see you from a mile away. They know that you're going to give them that supply that they so desperately crave. You're going to, you know, I think that phrase love bomb, you know, you're going to get love bombed by somebody and you're going to, they're going to tell you that all these things about you that, you know, that are flattering and it's just a bunch of trickery. And before you know it, you're in too deep, but it happens to the best of us. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. just heard this song. I thought, wow, that is, um, <laughs> I believe it was a relationship or two before I met my wife. And finally, I think the breaking point, hopefully people can relate to this. If you're in a situation like this, uh, people who are listening, and you see the writing on the wall, but you're not sure how to get out, when your father or let's say your brother or sister says, well, you can keep dating her, or you can keep dating him, but I'll never have anything to do with them. If that matters to you, that was kind of the breaking point. I said, well, I'm not going to be able to bring her around the holidays, so this thing's over. i got to find a way out. <laughs> Do you know, similarly, it was a, it was a very similar thing uh, with me in that um, often I've, I've had quite a few uh, relationships where th- there are kind of like, there are a number of people in my life who are the kind of the sounding boards for, mm, she's not right, and one of them is my sister uh my my younger sister is, is is always is very good at seeing like my partners who I choose like my parents my mother particularly my mom's a very warm and welcoming person who will always do her best to kind of like even if she has reservations about a person she'll be like well they make they make him they make him happy and uh, and and I'll, I'm perfectly prepared to kind of put a lot of my stuff aside for the sake of that my sister is a little bit more direct <laughs> in that she she will she would look at them and go nope they suck you you, you can and i think that's I, I with this particular relationship i sort of really sat down and said look what is it what is it you have against her and she was like and she was like i just she just doesn't seem right for you and i just i want better for you I think I I spent a lot of time in denial in that particular relationship i um i i, I, I wasn't or at least I just wasn't able to be, I wasn't able to be honest with myself in, in that emotion, in that way emotionally. But uh, I remember, I, just to, to cap off the thing about my sister, I remember scaring the absolute bejesus out of my, uh, my now wife by foolishly telling her like before she met my sister, like, oh yeah, like, uh, but, um, it's, oh, it's right. It's kind of really important. Like, um, get on my sister. My sister usually hates all my girlfriends. I can't believe, looking back now in my late 30s I'm like I can't believe I said that to to someone who I'd just started dating so I'd like, oh by the way you have to really get on with my sister otherwise she she'll hate you and because she always hates my girlfriends and yeah there's a there's a lot of at this point in my life there's a lot of me looking back on myself uh, and going god that was dumb <laughs> that was idiotic but yeah there was a lot of a uh, lot of stuff in that relationship where I I wasn't able to be completely honest with myself. And and interestingly, at this point in my life, I'm also able to look back now after a while after I've written that song and kind of I'm able much more able to recognize the ways in which I got it wrong as well. And that 
I mean, not to excuse some of the behaviour that this person indulged in, but how I kind of like didn't help myself and like my own shortcomings that allowed that person to manipulate me more than they possibly would have been able to had I had a bit more of my own emotional wherewithal um again it's that it doesn't excuse any of the stuff that they did or said or made me feel but it's just I, I definitely didn't help myself either i can completely relate to that and you probably weren't the best version of yourself looking back and you think well no wonder that thing ended up the way it did that experience but out of it came this wonderful song that I just encourage everyone, if you want to pick one track to get started on, I mean, I would recommend all of them, but Loving You Ain't Fun Anymore, you can find, if you just look, search Dan Thomas on your favorite streaming platform. Um, another song, and I know you're also working on some new material, but uh, The Darkness in Me, the video, um, I know it It does kind of specifically speak to that that COVID period, and I know in the UK, things were very restrictive. We had over here in the States, uh, some things loosened up a little bit sooner, I think, than uh, than overseas. But uh, the video captures it well, where you're walking around these empty streets that used to just be buzzing with excitement and people and good energy, and there's just nothing there. And you're looking up at the, the lights and maybe some of the residential buildings, and that's where everyone is held captive, basically. And mm. what, what a, you know, I, I guess it was a sorrowful time for a lot of people, what, when you're out there performing now, uh, coming out of the pandemic, where it's hard to believe it's been three or four years, but are people in the pubs and in the bars over there, are they loosening up? Is everyone just happy to, uh, are they resuming what they used to do? Or are there some people that are a little, a little tight, I guess, or how is it over there? It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's mostly, I think, it's mostly back to normal. In this, I mean, I, I think, I think I said in, um, I've said in, in a previous uh, interview recently, is that sometimes I'm, I, I think it's almost like it's gone, gone too back to normal in the sense that we're in danger of like kind of forgetting a lot of the lessons that I feel like we were, we were learning during COVID, and particularly with regards to uh, who are the, uh, in, who are what, what are the jobs that are important to like keep society going and. Uh, who the real kind of heroes of society are and who where we should kind of focus our attention and our efforts like we had a big thing about um clapping for the nhs over here like every on a for for your american listeners uh, uh, on um on a thursday evening at 8 p.m uh during that first lockdown it it, it started spontaneously uh people would get outside at 8 p.m and just across the nation and we just applaud for like a minute two minutes uh and it would be applauding for all of the emergency services workers uh, in our national health service uh and it became like a weekly thing where we would go out and like just kind of show appreciation for that and uh now we're at the point where um a lot of the, where the the services uh in a very dire strait and in a lot of crisis and uh the government kind of aren't giving them the funds that they need to do things so all the uh, the nurses are kind of going out on strike and everything like that and all the papers are going back to their usual shtick of uh 
down with the strikes and everything else and it's like didn't we weren't we like clapping for these guys like a couple of years ago and it's and it's things like that just make me think okay oh so none of that we're just gonna forget all of that stuff happened but sorry i went off on a bit of a tangent there um but the emotion like you said where the emotion just it dies down you think weren't we just um all unified here and all on the same page and now it's as if it didn't happen yeah, there were definitely, there was definitely like, I'd say between like that March and maybe June, end of May, June, there was, there's a real, there was a real feeling of solidarity here, to me at least. Uh, it just felt like for just that brief moment, it felt like the whole country and the whole world was kind of like, okay, this is serious. We're all, we're, we really are all in this together because this virus does not respect uh, age, race, creed sex political affiliation or anything that it will it has an equal opportunity to kill all of you and uh yeah so that that was kind of a real unifying factor and then there were a, a bunch of like internal political things going on in this country and then of course things going on across the pond in uh the united states cause obviously george floyd kind of came within that first lockdown period for us and then it just kind of reignite those sorts of things reignited a lot of divisions again and it was like oh okay cool yeah we're we're back to kind of shouting at each other on the internet again it's like oh, that lot that was that was fun while it lasted but um yeah we were just, it was at that time that i wrote that song it was very uh, it was like a month into the pandemic when i wrote that it was uh there was there's a place in hartford where i lived at the time play hartford in hartfordshire uh called the place called four street which is uh, where all of the bars uh, and uh, nightclub establishments are in that town. Uh, and at the time, we were allowed out for 30 minutes of exercise every day. That was the only time you were allowed to leave your house. And because my daughter was only a year and a half old at that point and in need of a lot of care at home, uh, I took a lot of my exercise at night when both she and my wife were asleep. So I wandered into town. And it was the Thursday uh, before Easter, um, which in the UK, we have like a four day bank holiday like uh, weekend. So like we we get off work on the Thursday and then we don't come back until the Tuesday. So we get uh, f- uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday as like a four day weekend. And normally on the Thursday of, of, uh, of Easter uh, over here, um, everyone starts celebrating in that very British way where we all get mind bendingly drunk. Uh, in a way that puts most other nations to shame, uh, not in a good way. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, you can see people on the street kind of being a drunken mess. But of course, there was nobody. This was like 10, 30, 11 p.m. Uh, and there was nobody out because everyone was on lockdown and all the, all the businesses were closed. And it was just so eerie to walk down 4th Street, this place that's so vibrant and full of life in all of its glory and its shame, uh, to be just silent and the only things i could hear were my footsteps echoing and like the the electricity from the lights humming and i think maybe there was like a a car somewhere off in the distance like one lone engine and it was so irritating looking i could see like above a lot of the uh the establishments there are a lot of there are people people living in the buildings above and you could see some of those lights on and that's when i say in the song like signs of life high above 
uh, where it's like you can see all of these people who are locked in their homes that okay well life is still here but it's like it, it can't get out it can't do anything and I just remember writing on my phone this stream of consciousness stuff like all these notes because I was thinking there is absolutely a song to be mined out of this somewhere I, I would be insane if I didn't try and do something uh, so I went and wrote it all down and then I came back and then I just massaged all of the best bits uh, into into something and then that became that song it's that music video as well that is that is four street that we filmed that on and the next line I, I wrote it down here trapped inside till only God knows when um people forget that if you were under certain restrictions in certain countries you also had that I guess existential anxiety of how long are we going to live like this? Is this going to be another month? Is this going to be another year? You really didn't know. Um, I think that may have impacted. Will we ever, will it ever go back to where it was? That was the other yeah. question. It's like, we, is it, is it, it, sometimes it was less a question of when will this end? It was a case question of will this end? Right. Like when right. wasn't, it wasn't like a, it was a guarantee at any point. It was just, especially in the, in the music industry, uh, because we're we're one of the the first industries to close down, uh, and the music industry in the UK. I don't know what it's like in the states. I imagine not too dissimilar, but uh, it's still recovering. It's 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 there's there have been some lasting impacts uh, from from COVID. That even though we've been out of restriction, out of major restrictions now for at least eighteen months. Uh, the it's not bounced back in the same way the audiences haven't come back in the numbers that they were in the first place because some people like the the psychological damage uh if, especially if they were more vulnerable it's like it's it's done it's that's that's been it's been broken now so yeah so, so for some people they are still kind of those people who are trapped inside till only god knows when oh i, I think people really missed going to a live music venue during that time period and i think back to uh, 2017, 18, 19, and some of the performers that I'd see on the marquee at our at our local concert hall, and then it just it hit such a lull. Even when um, the restrictions were lifted, uh, even now um, things are happening at this particular club, but it's like I don't see that um, it, it's not as many acts as you would think, or national acts that we used to get. I imagine it'll come back, and then depending on where you live, maybe it's not as um, depleted. I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah, it's definitely it's it's definitely not bounced back fully over here. I mean, if nothing else, uh, a lot of the um, a lot of the acts just couldn't couldn't uh, sustain themselves uh, whilst we were in all the major restrictions so a lot of them just have, have kind of have hung up their spurs and, and and have quit doing it now which is oh man it's that that's that's heartbreaking you think of all the music that you're not going to get now because of, of of things like that people but, uh, make some difficult yeah. choices i guess if they had a day job um maybe some folks don't imagine that most musicians probably have some other career that they've <laughs> they've got to sink into um, to pay the bills, and um, I guess there are some people that made those tough calls of, wow, I just got to put this on the shelf for a few years, maybe not forever, but I'm just not going to be um, pursuing this so many hours a week. I, I just can't, you know. Sure, yeah. 
I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I, this isn't, this isn't my full-time job either. I, I was, I never thought I'd be in a position to say this, but I, I was very lucky that I had a day job that was not affected by, uh, by COVID. I, and I, again, I, I can't remember what kind of, um, uh, what sorts of, uh, um, protections and uh like emergency packages and things that were were put together in the states at the time we had a furlough scheme in the uk where um if the companies kind of furloughed all their employees the government was paying like up to 80 percent of their wages uh throughout a, 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 a set length of the pandemic which obviously ran up quite a large bill uh in the end um but uh I was lucky in that I didn't even have to get furloughed because my job uh, could continue unabated. I just had a lap. I was just issued a laptop and just worked from home. And I, I spent a long time kind of railing against that kind of life. And obviously, and I, and I still am more about this and what I want to do versus the day job but i i, I remember thinking i would, i never thought i'd be in a position to say man i'm glad, i'm really glad i wasn't a, a full-time musician when that pandemic hit because i i know i know so many people who were musicians at full time and they just their incomes just completely evaporated overnight because they couldn't they couldn't get out on tour they couldn't really that, that some of them were rec- able to record some things but uh, as most of us know um recorded music doesn't produce uh much income for musicians these days and most of the money that any of us are able to make is that when we go out on tour and particularly when we're able to sell merch uh or 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 like synchronization deals with uh like tv and film which was another industry that was completely shut down so there was nothing new happening there either um yeah so it's it's an industry that has that uh, that got really really heavily hit and it's like i say it's still trying to bounce back now well, Dan, I'm I'm glad that um, we didn't lose you. I know I just recently discovered you, but as far as losing you as your uh, uh, as far as your impact out there in the music that you're putting out and the new music that you're working on, and before we get too far along, I just want to run through. I'll also post these uh, your tour dates coming up. Just want to speak to the December dates that you have scheduled. For some of my listeners who are in the UK or Germany, uh, Dan, you're making a run. You're pretty busy schedule there the first few weeks of December. Krefeld, Dortmund. I'm I'm taking a shot. I haven't pronounced some of these uh, locales either in a long time, or this may be my first shot at. But uh, Zarbrücken, Stuttgart, Karlsruhe. I hope I'm pronouncing all that correctly. And then you're over in Amsterdam on the seventh of December. 8th in Luxembourg. Yes, right. uh, but all these venues and dates I'll also post on my social media pages as well. But a great chance if, if you're in the UK, because Dan, this episode will probably come out on the 19th. So um, there'll be a chance to see you there at the end of this month and then going back into the first of the year. But yeah, what? tell me a little bit of, about what you have planned. I know some things haven't been firmed up all the way, but um, some of the places you're performing yeah so we got uh there's a there's a there's a list of uh of dates on my uh on, on my uh my social media uh, that uh, shows how busy i am for the rest of the year and only when i put that poster out 
I realized, wow, I really am quite busy this year. That's crazy. Um, so I've got, uh, where am I? Where at the moment? It's the fifth today. Uh, so yeah, we've got, I've, I'm doing a, a short run uh, in, in Yorkshire, uh, in Leicestershire, not Leicestershire, Lincolnshire uh, next weekend. So I'm going to be like uh, in, in Hull and Leeds and Scunthorpe. Uh, what did I miss? York. That's the other one on that, on that little mini tour. Um, yeah, so I've got a little run there and then there's going to be a run a lot of around like the Birmingham, Doncaster area. Uh, and then into, like you say, in December, we're going out to, to Germany and uh, the Netherlands and to Luxembourg. Then I've got a couple of smaller shows uh, over here, back here over in the UK. One's going to be for Christmas Eve, which is a very local show to me in a place called Clifton, which is like Bedfordshire way. It's a, It's quite a small village but there's a pub called the admiral on christmas eve if you're in the bedfordshire area please come and check it out it's going to be fun um and then after that the things that uh they're not uh they're not properly out there yet but uh we've got some plans for the new year that, that are going to be a lot of fun there's a there's going to be a particular thing to keep an eye out for around february where there's there's going to be a short tour uh of sorts that will be used to record a music video followed by a, a another European run in April, a longer one for a couple of weeks, and then a UK run immediately after that, and then a very short break, and then I'm off to uh, Latvia and uh, Lithuania and Estonia for a run of dates as well, and that will take me through to the middle of May, and then after that I will probably sleep for a week, because uh, I'll be absolutely exhausted. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, the, play, the there's going to be a lot more. There's going to there's a lot of live performances planned and in the planning stages uh, for next year that will run up into what I hope will be like a November ish release for the new record that I'm currently working on. Oh, excellent, Dan! I wanted to ask, and I also don't want to get too far ahead without putting in a plug for your friend Martin Colton's podcast. I so enjoyed listening to this episode that you guys recorded, the BTS Creative Academy podcast. Please download and subscribe to Martin's podcast anywhere that you listen to podcasts. I guess if you're listening to this one, um, just run a search on that. S, I'm sorry, BTS Creative Academy. Um, one thing, I didn't get to the entire episode, but Dan, you were starting to talk about when people who you don't know come up and give you some feedback on the songs that they heard that night or, or what have you, that it's really cool to hear. I think for all of us, it's always um, nice to hear somebody's opinion who's not your friend or your cousin or your brother. Um, what is it like when, or do you have people approach you after a set who say kind of the same things like, what was that song you played, The Darkness in Me? Or what was that, uh, Loving You Ain't Fun Anymore? That was a, that really spoke to me. Do you have people who come up afterwards and, tell you what something meant to you or meant to them i'm sorry yeah and it's it that's that certainly happened recently like over the last let's say year or year and a, a bit now and um, now that i'm starting to do get out there and do more and more shows uh but um yeah like it's it's always it's amazing when if you if you have somebody who who really connects with like one particular song and wants to come up and talk to you about that song afterwards and and particularly like what it meant to them uh it's 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 incredible like the one of my favorite ones is that um 
So I have a I have a song that uh, it, it's out. It is out. There's a version of it that's out on the streaming uh, platforms already. It is getting redone as part of the new record that's coming out. Um, it's a song called "The Hole You Leave Behind," which uh, trigger warning for those of you who um, who may be affected. It is a is a song about miscarriage. Um, me and my wife uh, attempted to start a family, and before we had our beautiful baby girl, uh, we we did we, we tried once before, and seven weeks into the pregnancy, uh, um, sadly we we lost that child, and that was. It was a, dev- a devastating week for us that where we were just we, we both then just spent the rest of the week off work both of our bosses were I phoned my boss and my wife's boss uh, the next day uh, after we found out and told them the situation and they were both they were both great they both immediately said oh, don't don't come into work we're just please be at home and stay with each other and just take care of each other uh, so yeah we spent that week kind of at home just just grieving and holding each other and crying a lot of the time and we, we also we think we it was a strange week we had a lot of fun together and kind of grew really close and sometimes we, we were laughing and then like minutes later we'd be sad again and crying and and I did the only thing that I know how to do in terms of processing emotions is I thought I need to write a song about this so I sat down and, and wrote about the the the, the story of what happened um and it's obviously it's it's a very sensitive subject so it's the one it's the song that people talk to me about the most uh and one of the guys that we we did a run of me and my tour manager did a run of shows in europe in the april just gone so april of this year uh and the last show um is out with a place called stolberg uh, and the guy who put uh, put the show on for us, uh, his seventy uh, year old dad was in the audience. So they're, they're two two local German guys, and I say I performed that song, and the 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 guy who was running it, Rob, came to me in the break, and he, he wanted to talk to me about that song, and he said to me that that song helped me have a conversation with my seventy year old father in the audience about my sister who died before I was born. And that, it, it totally blew me away. Absolutely. I, I was gobsmacked. I didn't, uh, that, it's like one of the heaviest things that somebody, that, that a stranger has ever said to me. And I was, I just felt like kind of honoured and like flattered that I was a part of helping them have a conversation that could only really bring them like closer together to have this talk about this family member of theirs who was like was gone way too soon and who rob never got to meet um yeah so i just said i'm I'm so glad i could facilitate that conversation for you and like moments like that as an artist it's like that's that's brilliant that's amazing for me it's like just to know that this this piece of art that i made that came from such an awful place like has helped to like heal people and that's and i don't i don't want maybe that sounds a little bit too grandiose but like just to give them that kind of just to help them like process the things and just and feel a bit more okay and a little bit less alone then that's job done that's 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 fine by me that song really 
you know, I ha- my wife and I haven't experienced that, thank God. But when I first heard the song, and if you haven't heard it yet, I uh, don't want to give too much away, but it does kind of start off maybe like a love song. And, um, you know, I think it's the third verse, third or fourth verse, and it just hits you. And you almost have to go back, which I had to do, and, and, and go back 15, 30 seconds and make sure that I, I heard the lyrics correctly. And, um, yeah, it's um, one of the most powerful tracks I've heard. Because, again, that goes back to what I said at the top of the episode. You approach some subjects in your songwriting uh, that I don't want to say nobody goes there, but you don't see a lot of um, artists who are maybe presented to you by record companies. You're not going to hear this on the radio. I really, the more that, um, I mean, there's some good stuff on the radio and there's some um, some good songs at the top of the Spotify playlist, but I, I think you really have to be open-minded and explore other artists because some of the best stuff is just not, it's not going to be as accessible. And the country music radio, there's some very good songwriting out there. Uh, a lot of your top artists are performing songs that are written by other people. But uh, the emotional tracks, I think they just scratch the surface sometimes. And Sure. But but that track in particular, I think that it's powerful, and it, it may, like you said, actually have a healing power for those who have gone through it or opens a conversation, like you said. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you picked up, by the way, the... Um, the, the uh how the first it, it first it doesn't it's not obvious what it's about and it's cause i very deliberately wrote it that way that that the first two verses make it sound like it could easily be like uh, a romance that went wrong and that it's oh it's a love that's gone away and then the third verse it, it's very direct with nope this is what this is actually about and yeah, and it's i i appreciate that somebody's kind of picked up on that because for the most part everyone's always said to me because uh, I used to be quite coy with what it's about until it got to that point. Um, but people, it meant that people were either not listening when I played it or they kind of said that they knew what it was all about. So now I'm very upfront when I when I start playing it. I say, I tell, I like to tell the stories of the songs before I go into them on stage now, which means that I spend, for some people's taste, probably a little bit too much time on stage talking. I, there are definitely some people who make that uh opinion known um but uh there are also a lot of people the people who kind of get it and like what i do they a lot of people they say i love the way you, you tell the stories i love knowing more about what you're singing about and i think okay that's cool that you, you guys are my audience then you guys get it and that ties into what you were saying about um the different uh like the the the, the good stuff now not necessarily being in like the top 40 and and is I think it's a wonderful thing about music now is that everything is like everything's broken off into lots of small niches there's no you can you can sort of put it one way of like there's no like water cooler moments with uh with like uh film and television and, and music but what's what's beautiful instead is like now everyone's now got their thing it's like it, it used to be like the the good advice was like oh you know you need to write like broad songs that like everybody can appreciate whereas the, the advice these days is like no 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 just dig down and find your thing because trust me there is an audience for whatever it is that you do 
whatever it is that you're into, whatever kind of weird art that you want to make, there are, you've got the power of the internet now. There are hundreds, if not thousands of people who will get what you're doing and, and you, and you can be, therefore be more authentic that way, which, yeah, it means like you say, you, you got to do the work. You got to like go looking for the stuff that like jibes with you. But once you find it, oh, it's, it's magic. Like some of my absolute favorite artists in the whole world have a very small, but very, very like passionate and uh, motivated fan base that will like, that will, that are, they're passionate and motivated enough to give them uh, the career that they need in order to keep going. But they're, they've got these wonderful levels of fame where they're, to, to their fans, to that little small community who know who they are and get what they're doing, they're like, they're like friggin' rock stars, but like they could still just walk down the street and just be and be like some guy. Like no, no, it's not like they're not like Ed Sheeran or anything, or like to use like I don't know a more American example. It's like it's not like Steve Tyler or something. They're not gonna like just say like oh my god, there's Steve Tyler from Aerosmith and like mob him or whatever. Uh, they can just walk down the street and just get on with their day and just you know go to the post office or go to the grocery store and and do their thing. But like their fans like know them and will stop them and and have a chat with them. But yeah, it's it's, it's the kind of fame such as it is that I that I would I would like. I would like that kind of career where there's there's a bunch of people who know what I I do and really love what I do and come out and give me the career that I need. But I'm also able to just go to the park with my child and everyone else there just goes, oh, it's some bald guy with his daughter. You said something on Martin's podcast that I thought was so relatable and so refreshing to hear. And again, I want people to listen to this ep- to uh, Martin's episode. Um, but when you said, I don't need all these extravagant things. I don't have to attain all of this material wealth. And I just want my daughter to be happy. I just want to have a happy, uh, fulfilled life. And you probably get more out of touching other people with your music and getting, like, like you said, that feedback and creating something that resonates with somebody on a deep level. That's probably more fulfilling than the guy that's sitting on a mountain of money. Because I've certainly met yeah. I've met some old, wealthy folks, and not all of them look like something's lacking. But I would say a good number of them who I've met um, in my career, you think, well, geez, why are they not happier? How come their children don't <laughs> talk to them? Or their adult kids don't come see them? And they've, yeah, they go play golf. They go, did you, but they don't seem like they're as happy as I would think they would be, but. There's, there's something behind the eyes, isn't there? There's just, there's like a, there's a sparkle that's maybe not there, but um, yeah, without, without wanting to like tread, uh, uh, retread too much of what I said on, on Martin's podcast, because yeah, like, uh, like Dan said, uh, you should definitely go check it out. I, I think the only place that I know that it's available is on YouTube, but uh but yeah, definitely go check it out if you if if you're able to. Um, but uh, it's what I say on that podcast is like it's, it is that, that some people are motivated by those kind of uh, more material things, and that is absolutely fine. It is not for me to say that 
that you should not be motivated by those things. And it, but what it comes down to is that you got, you have to work out what makes you happy and pursue that. And, and if that's those material things, that's fine. That's not a problem. Uh, as long as you're not hurting anybody else in order to, to do it. Um, but yeah, I just, the, the more I kind of engaged with the world, uh, the more I realized that that paradigm of success of like the, the money, the car, uh, the um, the house and like all those material things, uh, you know. I was I was born in the eighties and like we were growing up. I mean, I didn't grow up under Margaret Thatcher, but like her legacy kind of definitely like like Reagan in your country it kind of affected the discourse in in that way. Um, but yeah, the more I grew up, like the more I questioned, like yeah, I don't I don't think that's me. It doesn't like it certainly didn't motivate me. Like it, def- it definitely wasn't something that made me get out of bed. It was just kind of like, yeah, okay, I guess. And then I sort of realized that there are other ways to measure success. And uh, it, it was all about like what worked personally for you. And yeah, for, for me, it's me and my wife are a lot more about experiences rather than, than, than things. Don't get me wrong. We, we have a, we have a pretty comfortable existence where we're quite quite sort of happily middle class and i will never pretend that we're like oh we're poor and we're happy but um yeah we've we're we're reasonably comfortable but it's like we don't it's not our lives aren't defined by that and it's more about like pursuing the things that the experiences and the fulfillment that will make us happily for my for my wife she's starting out in self-employment um as an ADHD coach, uh, for me, it's my music. And then for, for both of us between us, it's just, it's raising our daughter into like this kind person, this kind, this wonderfully kind and wonderfully funny person that she is, because those are the things that both of us value is, is kindness and humor. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's about finding finding your own path and finding what success means to you. That's beautifully spoken. It's not judging other people for what they're seeking. Um, Because some people, everyone is, is different. Everyone's wired differently, but Mm -hmm. um, I relate to what you're saying. I like to, if my children are happy and I know that you have a background in theater and acting Again, Martin went over some of this stuff as well, but um, my son, my oldest son, Warren, he had his first summer camp this year, and I thought about maybe a traditional camp, but then I stopped myself and said, wait a second, he's always reciting things. Whether it's a movie he's been watching or when he comes home from school and recites a whole lesson plan, and so we enrolled him in a theater camp, and he so enjoyed it. And I think that's, uh, I would recommend any of my listeners that have children, nobody's more in tune than you are to their tendencies and their their quirks and their interests. You know, if you, if you see something there, put them in a position where they might really thrive, you know. And uh, so we put him in this theater camp and I, I wish we could have him doing something all throughout the year. We just don't have the budget for it right now. But certainly... We'll, we'll do another camp because he loves that sort of thing. And I know with, with your daughter too, um, is, does she enjoy what you did growing up? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, she uh, she currently goes to uh, there's something on a like a Saturday morning uh, called uh, called Stagecoach over here where it's like a they just get it's like an hour and a half and it's like they they do like uh, dance and singing and 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 performance and and everything like that and yeah she's she she really loves it. I we always hoped that she would she would enjoy any kind of you know being theatrical because me and my wife are, were both theater kids like growing up and up until like fairly recently we were both still doing uh what we would call uh amdram in this country amateur dramatics like uh community theater i guess you guys would call it there um but uh yeah so we we kind of we always thought ah well it's obviously what makes us happy is, is that she finds the things that make her happy but like we always thought mm, it would be really nice if it was the theater because obviously we share that we'd have that we'd be able to share that passion with her I and mean, I, I am not a i'm not a sports person at all but if my daughter had turned out to be into soccer i would be like yep i'll be watching her every sunday morning i will cheer her on i will learn the rules and 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 pretend that I like it but yeah yeah I'd obviously be I'm I'm glad that she's not into that uh and that the theatrical stuff seems to be more her more her thing also art art's her thing like drawing and coloring things she'll happily sit down and just draw and color things for what feels like forever uh but uh yeah it's great it's she does seem to enjoy that stuff I mean I don't it's very early on in all of that at the moment but uh I was told I picked her up uh yesterday uh, from a session uh, and I was told she has the loud she had the loudest voice when they were doing the singing I thought okay that's good I don't necessarily know if that means that she's the best but uh, she's definitely got the confidence to to project it and so that's that's cool that's fun I, I'm glad that she's she's having that fun at the moment maybe the apple didn't fall too far from the tree <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I think between me and my wife, she wasn't going to have. Uh, it, it was. It, it's not a massive surprise. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dan, this has been fantastic. I mean, I could talk about your career and and um, just explore more avenues here with you. I know that you're you're writing some new material. We mentioned a couple times this conversation, and you may have even already told me uh, when you're planning to release some new tracks. Yeah, that's right. There's um, th- there's an album that's in the works at the moment. I'm currently demoing it uh, with the idea to th- to get a couple of uh, musicians I know to come and play on it. I've given like this has got like the rough ideas, uh, so I can send that to them and say this, but better, please. Uh, and then we'll demo it with with them on it, and then uh, we'll go in with a, a producer to to get it recorded. So that's all in the works at the moment. The idea is that the album will be out sort of like this time next year uh but there'll be a flock of couple of singles in advance of that throughout the year like hopefully april time april may will be like the first one and then there'll be maybe one or two more uh between that and the album release so yeah but throughout 2024 there there should be releases coming uh so yeah watch this space gracious listeners and uh we will have Dan Thomas music for you to listen to very, very soon. Dan, I almost forgot. Everyone who listens to Dan Time and enjoys this podcast, please interact with my guests on their socials. Dan, your Facebook page is, you're so interactive. Uh, That just really struck me. It is a fun destination for people to follow your music. The, The videos on there, 
specifically, I think you had you were on your way to a show in St. Albans, maybe. Is that correct? Yeah. Is that the one from me in the car, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Coming back for you. I love that. <laughs> I just turn on a camera and I just I just chat nonsense when, when I do it because that's that's just me. And I go, yeah, I'll do. Let's send that on. Let's put that on the internet. <laughs> it's really great because I go to a lot of pages. I wouldn't say that anybody's doing it wrong, but the but your approach to interacting and connecting with your fans, you re- really make it a fun experience for them. They get to see a different side to Dan Thomas. If whereas if they just listen to the music, you've got one impression, but then they see, oh, he's got a great sense of humor too. Um, oh, bless you, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have discovered your music if I just hadn't run that ridiculous Google search, and I'm so glad that I did, and. My hope for this podcast is that the concept of Dan talking to other Dans will at least inspire you to find a common thread with other people. And whether your name is Steve and you're like, well, let me, shoot, I never thought about that. Let me look up uh, other Steves who play bass guitar or anything like that. Just we're more relatable than we think we are. And um, so that's what I'm trying to to promote here. And I'm so glad that I discovered Dan's music because of the concept of my show and that I'm able to expose Dan to my listeners. Well, Dan, you've been so generous with your time here. I usually wind down with some random questions, just some yes or no Skittles or M&Ms type nonsense. You got time for maybe three or four questions? Yeah, totally, man. I've got time. I'm good. Okay. Where, so over here in the States, you know, we do our shopping at Publix, Target, Walmart. Oh my gosh. Uh, I mean, anybody listening to the show who works at Walmart, uh, I have nothing against you. I'm just not a big fan of your store uh, or the experience. (laughs) And where do you guys do your shopping for your essentials, your groceries? And then I have a follow-up question. Okay, sure. We've we've got, um, we've got a couple of, uh, of like, of, of what we'd call supermarket stores uh like tesco is one for, that we use that's like that's they're, they're they are one of the uh they're the largest like private employer in the country um and the second largest employer overall behind the national health service uh i found it my, my wife used to work for their head office so that's how i know those details uh there's other places there's asda which is uh owned by walmart um there's Sainsbury's, uh, Aldi, Lidl, uh, Waitrose. That's kind of a, like a more upmarket one. Um, Morrison's. Yeah, it's, there's, lo- there's lots of like these different like uh, superstore brand places, and they all, they're all like a different sizes as well. They've got like different categories of stores. You're, like you've got like the superstore ones where you can have like you've got like clothes and uh, electronics and stuff in there, and then you've just got all the way down to. Um, like the little there was like almost like little corner shop uh versions where it's like they just have your basic groceries and like you can pick up the paper or whatever in there and or or, or your magazines or, or or just your beer um but yeah there's we have we have a a plethora of choices in the UK well we have Aldi though we're starting to see more Aldi over here oh okay and didn't realize it got well, to you guys yeah it's uh I, I like Aldi. It's a, a little bit different experience. My, the question I have that connects to this, mm-hmm. do you ever 
or do you ever w- wish? <laughs> Let me back up. Are do you ever jump on the back of your shopping cart and take it for a ride through the parking lot? You know, when you're hitting a, a little a little patch there where you can really get some speed and. Uh, is that do you ever see anybody do that or you ever go for it every once in a while all the time <laughs> <laughs> yes oh my wife was, gets so upset with me <laughs> i was damn, i will I was so i will push it down the aisle and kind of like lean over the bar and make sure my feet are dangling in the air probably yes. also shouting "Wee!" <laughs> i think that's the bit that upsets my wife but I was yeah, thinking about I that do. all day and I was thinking, I hope Dan says yes. Oh God, yes. Absolutely. It's I I, I am thirty seven, but that does not mean I'm a grown up. <laughs> do you have the accelerator hand dryer in restrooms? The in accelerator. The UK? Uh, it is basically a, a high powered air blaster where you, you know, in lieu of paper towels, you're using the, the men's room. And you're coming out. Do do they have those? Uh, we have, um, yeah, we we have something similar. Like we used to have, like the, the we used to have like the good old fashioned hair dry, uh, the hand dryers that uh, that would just ineffectually sort of spit air at you. And now they've right. got like um, there's a there's a brand there's a brand that's it's UK a UK based brand called Dyson, uh, which um, they 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 regulate their main sort of stock and trade is vacuum cleaners, but they also do these. They have things called air blades as well, where it's like you put your hands in it and it's like this one big like high pressured bit of air that kind of takes all the water off of your off your hands. Um but uh yeah, we have we do have those, yes. <laughs> I have a I have a friend of mine who refuses to use those. He says it's just uh he doesn't trust it. He thinks that the germs are gonna be flying everywhere with your wet hands and um he, he just does he does not like them, but uh, okay. Interesting I'm a- point. Not no, I've never <laughs> thought about it actually. Um, well, because they do, because they do say, don't you, that like when when you if you've uh, if you've if you've been to the bathroom and you've been for you know number two without getting into vulgar language <laughs> on this podcast. I don't know how much we can and can't swear. Um, but uh, come right up to the edge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're if yeah, if you're going for number, you're going for twosies. Uh, then you should when you're when you flush, you should close the lid because of something they call toilet plume, which is uh when you flush, it's like it just sort of sends a lot of the bacteria up into up into the air. And particularly if you're in your bathroom at home, they say yeah, that stuff just ends up landing on you. Like, think about that landing on your toothbrush, and then mm. that will that will make you close the lid. And it definitely worked on me. I'm like. I don't, I, I, I don't, I've not looked into it myself. I don't know how true that is, but it's enough to make me think, well, if there's a chance that it's true, it's not exactly hurting me to put the toilet lid down. <laughs> so on a, on a similar note, I can kind of think that, yeah, I can see how like high pressure blasts of air could, if you, there is any bacteria, but the counterpoint to that is that it's to dry your hands after you have washed them. So therefore, if you have washed your hands correctly, they shouldn't be blowing bacteria around. So there's the rebuttal to your friend is is that, well, if that's something you're worried about, wash your hands better, man. <laughs> there you go, Jimmy. We'll go ahead and out him. Please feel uh, free, Jimmy, probably... to, to, to send your rebuttal back to me. I will happily have a very, I'll, I'll have a respectful um, debate with you about this. Uh, we can, we can, <laughs> we can disagree and like, and part as friends. That's, uh, that's how I like to, to roll.
Dan, when you're performing and somebody comes up to you with a request, are there's there's probably a lot of songs where you say, "Hey, listen, I appreciate it, but you know, I don't really know that one." Or do you have to turn a lot of people down and say, "I just don't play that song," or I, "I'm not going to play that song"? Or do you get people to ask you to play songs that you think, "Dude, could you have come up with something besides Freebird?" Or <laughs> <laughs> well, not free, I mean, Freebird's not maybe the best example, but. I mean uh, that that's uh, th- it, it, that is the uh, that's the quintessential one, isn't it? Like the uh, the he- the quintessential heckle from somewhere in the audience just hearing Freebird, <laughs> and you just go, "Oh, don't be that guy! Come on, that's a that's a cliche at this point, surely." Uh, but yes, to answer your question, I I do I I, I have because a lot of what I do to to try and make money from what I do is I'll do like the covers shows, so I'll just go to. Uh, a bar on a friday night and play a set of of cover tunes and um there are there are some people who will ask ah oh, can you play can you play this song and, and to be fair most of the time if i don't know if i know it then then i'll go yeah sure i can i can i can do that if i know, if i know it and i haven't played it yet obviously um but uh, if i if i don't know it and i and i say i'm really sorry man i don't know that song for the most part they're kind of like they're like, oh, okay, no, yeah, no worries, no, no problem. Or in the very least, they'll be ob- very obviously disappointed, but like respectful about it. Occasionally, you know, I, I work in a, it's a line of work where I encounter a lot of drunk people, um, and and a lot sometimes drunk people aren't very polite <laughs> or um, reasonable, or, or they wore three hours ago but then now they've had <laughs> yeah oh i'm sure they are and and the rest of their life <laughs> but uh yeah i have i have caught them at uh their most in uninhibited uh but um yeah there are certain songs that people will call and i'll just say no like uh the um the go-to one is ugh, the, the, this, this is also another cliche and I, I don't know if it's as big a cliche in the u.s uh, because obviously it's a, a British-based band, but um, uh, Wonderwall by Oasis is like sure, particularly as a, um, a guy up on stage with an acoustic guitar. It's like people go like there are certain people when they're really drunk will be like, but Wonderwall, and it's like I have real opinions about playing Wonder about about Wonderwall and like. The, when people call that out and and I'm sure this is not true of everybody at all but it just makes people come across like the worst Gen X bores who like think music stopped in its entirety in the year 1995 no new songs have come out since then Wonderwall was the end of music and they've they, they've not developed their imagination probably because they took one too many pills in the 90s that is that is as broad stroke and aggressive as I get about my music opinions. I'm sorry if there are any people out there who love Wonderwall and that does not reflect uh, their life at all. Because, you know, all shapes and sizes, all walks of life and everything else. But uh, yeah, there are... I have encountered a lot of the, the most aggressive, uh, difficult people I've ever encountered in this job are the Wonderwall crowd, the Oasis crowd. Like, oh, okay. It's another one of these guys. All right, cool. We're doing that at this gig tonight. Fine. I could see that. When I was, um, I did some college radio in the late 90s and a band that I really 
I guess I could say fell in love with, but they turned me on to um, really open up my eyes to some new music was The Verve and Richard Ashcroft. Oh, yeah. And is is he still pretty well regarded around there? Did, uh, have you seen him perform or do you like his music? Do you know what? He's he's one of those guys, uh, the, the Verve and Richard Ashcroft, is uh, he is he's well regarded. But he's, he's one of those people that's just never really been on my radar that much not just because not because i i don't like it or anything but the only the only song that there's like bittersweet symphony is like the big one of theirs yeah, that, yeah. that gets played a lot over here but I, I i it always just makes me think of the movie cruel intentions because it's just it's in the the finale of that um but then there's the the song that the, the drugs don't work um which yeah. i know i've heard but i for life me, I can't even remember how it goes right now. And so that's he's it, it's just like they're just a blind spot in my um in my musical uh, education because I, I think we've all got that with certain bits of pop culture. It's like uh for example, for, a, for a very long time I hadn't seen the movie Schindler's List and people said to me you've never seen Schindler's List and I'm like no I just <laughs> haven't got round to it and then one day I, I did and I'm glad I did because it's a great piece of art but uh yeah it was just one of those things of I hadn't got round to it. My wife, when we met, she'd never seen any of the Toy Story films and she was 30 when we'd met and we kind of, of that generation, like, how have you gone through life with that? There was a bunch of Disney movies that she'd not seen because she's a little bit older than me so there are a, cu- there are a couple that, from like that Disney Renaissance period, like around like The Lion King and everything, where that she'd missed those. So yeah, I guess, so by the point that I'm making is, yeah, Richard Ashcroft and The Verve are just a, a one of those for me. It's just like, they've just we've just not crossed paths properly you know if you have missed a lot of those children's movies growing up you get a chance to catch up on them when if you have a child (laughs) if you have a child and you and you have a pandemic going on and a disney plus (laughs) subscription (laughs) um dan what speaking of of um well let's just say what's what's your favorite or one of your favorite albums to listen to front to back something that maybe you liked you've liked ever since you were 19 20 25 is there a band or an album i know you mentioned fleetwood mac is there uh yeah i mean yeah rumors by fleetwood mac is is a timeless classic that i i got into when i they were a blind spot for me for a while as well i got into fleetwood mac when i was 22 uh and um i i was i was watching i was i was getting my first tattoo done uh, at my uh, my my university friend's flat, he he had a friend who who came by who was a tattoo artist, and so she was in town, so she was doing sort of like cheaper tattoos for for his friends. It was all she was all licensed and everything. It wasn't like backroom dodgy stuff. Uh, but uh, to distract me when I was getting my tattoo done on my arm, uh, he was playing Guitar Hero in the corner, uh, and a song came on, and I was like, "Dude, what is this?" And he said, "Oh, it's Fleetwood Mac." And I'm like, Okay, cool. I I guess I'm into Fleetwood Mac now. It was the song "Go Your Own Way," which is, oh, to my to, to, for my money, still like one one of the all time like great songs. And uh, and I and yeah, so that, that I then went and listened to particularly the Rumors album, but like a bunch of their their back catalogue. And I was shocked by how many of the songs I actually knew because I'd heard other artists play them, like. Um, uh, Eva Cassidy did a cover of uh, of Songbird, which is uh, her version's beautiful, but like the original that Christine V wrote was amazing. Uh, Dreams by Stevie Nicks, that's uh, th- that was covered by uh, an Irish band called The Cause, uh, and then of course the the song The Chain, 
that that great bass line that that was the the theme tune for formula one racing in uh in the uk so like that's all of that whenever that that like grand was it formula one or grand prix um but yeah like there's a there was like a car a, a race a car racing thing where like that the the theme tune for it in the uk was that section of the chain so like listening to the record i'm like oh my god i know this oh my god i know this and it's and it's like you like we were saying earlier on about some of those songs it's like they're just they're, like you said they're not 70s songs they're just they're songs for all time you will just you can listen to that album at any time and i'm i'm pretty sure that in a thousand years from now if human society hasn't completely collapsed there will be people picking up rumors and go oh my god man this is so relevant to today even though this came out over a millennia ago so yeah i guess rumors is one um <laughs> go ahead. i was going to just say it's incredible that fleet i mean fleetwood mac was it was bound to implode or disband you just think about the the huge personalities in that band and the potential clashes um, that ended up happening. But the fact that they were able to keep that unit together to create those songs before they had to go their separate ways for what a couple decades, it's just, I mean, it's wonderful that, that, yeah, I mean, rumors, especially it's like, it's, it's an even more remarkable achievement that, it's considering that what the state of just the absolute dire state of their personal relationships at the time, like John McVie and Christine McVie were getting a divorce during, they, they broke up and got divorced whilst they were making that album. Uh, Stevie Nicks and Lindsay Buckingham broke up during that album. Mick Fleetwood was going for a divorce with his wife whilst they were making that album. And it's like, the fact that they didn't just all scream "f you" and leave uh, is is cause for like it's like that's that's impressive enough. But then not only did they stay and they finish an album, the album that they made is an absolute timeless classic. That like I said, it's still you, you listen to it now and it's like it's just it sounds just as powerful as it did in nineteen seventy seven when it came out. It's yeah, it's just it's just remarkable. Like they, again, you say they they obviously went their separate ways before coming back, and then they've gone and done it again because Lindsay Buckingham has gone from the band now, and, and sadly Christine McVie's no longer with us. So I'll never mm. get to see that era that lineup of Fleetwood Mac, and that's something I'm very very bitter about. But yeah, like who knows? Maybe that that those that they those guys are kind of destined to uh, come together and break apart until well until they all like Christine McVie's done until they all start shuffling off this mortal coil. And one, one track there, I was looking at the dance and I, I was trying to remember this song that I love so much. I'm so afraid. Oh, it's the fifth one right after they perform Rhiannon. Mm -hmm. Dan, I think that, and I, I got to go back and listen to it, see how much orchestration is going on. But just hearing that song in my mind, I feel like that's, if I saw you perform live and I wanted to throw a real wild card out there, I'd say, hey, Dan, could you play I'm So Afraid? <laughs> I oh, think you might be able to do it. might be able to do it justice. That's um, one. Thank you for the compliment. Uh, two, challenge accepted. I'm going to go and have a look and see if there's a if there's a version of that I can put together. That's a that's a great cut. That's a good that's a great choice. The, the vocals, especially. 
uh, Lindsey Buckingham's vocal. I think he's lead vocals on that song. He is, yeah. yeah. You should hear if you've not heard it. You should hear the the album version, which is on the album that came before Rumors, which is like their second their second self titled because there's a self titled one from back in the sixties when they were a British like blues band, uh, and then the Lindsey Buckingham Stevie Nicks era was kicked off by a second self titled one, and I'm so afraid is on that. It's it sounds largely the same, but there's kind of there's lots of like dual guitars and things on on the original and it, the key's a little bit higher. So it's, it's, a, it's an interesting listen to hear the, the dance versus, versus that one. But uh, yeah, if you've not heard it, check that out. Okay. Well, is there um, any other bands or podcasts that you listen to something that you'd like to promote? There's things I'd like to promote. Oh God. Um, in terms of podcasts and stuff, uh, nothing that's jumping out at me at the moment. I, I mean, f- uh, Frank Turner is a is an artist that's very dear to to my heart. Uh, he's a he's an English singer songwriter. Uh, I I take a lot of my cues from from him. He's like nine albums into his career. He's about about to have his his tenth one now. Um, very excited for that that album to come out. But uh, yeah, he's any album of his his most recent one is an album called FTHC which is short for Frank Turner Hardcore which is like a t-shirt design that he had for a, a while um that album is is outstanding start to finish uh, his his very first album Sleep is for the Week is and but week is spelt W E E K like as in you can sleep in the weekday um <laughs> Love Iron Song the album that came off it Frank Turner's back catalog, everybody, just go and check all, check all of that out. He's a difficult man to pin down in terms of which one is is his is best. He takes a lot of his cues from people like Bruce Springsteen, so like that's that's what gives you the idea. Like if you had like Bruce Springsteen with a very decidedly English voice, then yeah, you've kind of you're getting closer to what he's all about. Have you heard uh, the band The Bug Club? The Bug Club, no. Like, bug as in I... like insect. Yeah, I believe it's the Bug Club. Uh, my friend Tom Quee from the Alpha Metallica podcast he he turned me on to them, and I know they 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 perform in the UK. They may be based there as well. Yeah, the Bug Club. All right, I'm uh, gonna write that one down. I'm gonna I'm gonna give that a Google in a bit. I don't even know what uh, how to describe the genre, but um, out in the streets is a single. Yeah, that's one I would throw out there, and I was I'm just. Uh, wondering maybe if some of my other listeners in the UK have heard of heard of this band as well, but he threw it out there. I checked him out. I really like it. It was it was way off my radar. I've got the the Bug Club. Uh, there's some there's some songs. Uh, it's art, marriage, yesterday's paper. Is that we're looking at the same band? Um, there'd be Pure Particles. That's one of their albums. Uh, oh yeah, there it is. Yeah, marriage uh, is a single. Uh, Green yeah. Day in F sharp. That's it. That's um, a curious title. I, I would say some of their subject matter, the the lyrical content is often irreverent. Okay. Um, so it's kind of silly, like uh, short and round, uh, six o'clock news. But just to throw a couple of th- those out there. Uh, we can't all play saxophones. That's, that's a great song yeah. title. <laughs> yeah. They're good, at least for some comic relief, because I, I played it and my, uh, he's almost six, but my five-year-old in the back seat, he loves out in the streets, I think it is. Some of the stuff, you, if you listen to it, it's real catchy, even for uh, your kid. You could play it if you're riding around with your kid. 
That's cool. Yeah, I'm looking. I've, I've, I can see here, like it's got like fans also like, and there's a bunch of bands there who I've. I was, I was just trying to see if there's anything like that I can latch onto in terms of like if there's bands that I recognise. There are no bands I recognise in there, but to me that is a uh, that's that just means oh, I've got a whole bunch of other bands to go check out now too. So that's cool. Well, Dan, I don't know. Uh, when or how you could ever make it over here. I'm on the Gulf Coast of Florida, close to the Alabama border in the States. Um, but we've got, certainly has some venues over here. If you ever come stateside and make it this far down, would love to see you. One day, I, I would love to. I've looked I've looked at, into kind of coming and doing some shows in the States before, but um, yeah, your, your, your visa rules are a little bit on the restrictive and expensive side at the moment for me, but I, trust me, as, as soon as I am possibly able because I, I will play anywhere and everywhere that people will have me and if, if there is if there's a room full or even half full of uh, people who are willing to listen yep I'll, I will find ways of doing it and be there well everybody listening again if you're like me and you live in the states um, or you're just not going to be able to see Dan perform in person for a long time there's plenty of stuff out there to sink your sink your teeth into. Go to the website. Uh, it's it's Dan Thomas Solo. It's like it's because it's like my name and then Solo is in. I'm a solo performer. The only way it's all, that's also my handle on the socials. The only way I've ever been able to get people to remember it is it's Dan short for Daniel Thomas like the tank engine Solo as in Han Solo. That's the that's the only mnemonic device I've ever been able to come up with. Because the reason being is that having a name like Dan Thomas makes me really, really difficult to Google. You just get a lot of Welsh guys on Facebook because Thomas is a very common Welsh surname for those not in the know. Um, but uh, yeah, so because my, my mother didn't give me an out there interesting name and I have a very flat sounding surname, second name as well. Uh, yeah. It's... um. Yeah, I had to just just put if I just put danthomas.com, I that's taken. Let's put it that way. I, I could see and that. Annoyingly, see somebody it. already took Dan Thomas music. That was and it's not it's a page that's not even being used anymore. Mm, so frustrating. <laughs> but yes, danthomassolo.com. D A N T H O M A S S O L O.com. Well, folks, find him on, on Facebook, on all the socials. Check out the videos, the Darkness in Me video, Crawling on the Floor, uh, Holding On to You. Uh, I think you're going to find something that will appeal to you. Um, Dan, I hope I didn't take up too much of your time. I have just had a ball. N- not at all. I've, I've, had, I've genuinely had a blast talking to you, and this has been a lot of fun. So thank you. Thank you for having me on. And uh, thank you, listeners at home, for checking out Dan's podcast and uh, listening to me chat rubbish for uh, way too long. <laughs> no, no, you're just fine, Dan. Okay, everybody. Well, that's it for this episode of Dan Time. And remember, find a common thread with folks. Get out there when you see people who are a little closed off. Sometimes you might read people wrong. They might seem arrogant or off-putting. They may just be trying to get comfortable again, and they're trying, you know, or they may have just lost a loved one. You never really know what's going on with people. So, um, yeah, try to find a common thread. Get out there. Have some fun with yourself. I always come back to that theme. Uh, Get on the back of a a buggy, a shopping cart. At this part of the show, Dan, at the end, I always ramble. And 
I never quite know how I'm going to land it, but <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. So I, I was going to add to add to that in, in all of that, uh, uh, in the in the spirit of what you were saying is there's a great line in the show ted lasso uh where he says be curious not judgmental that's perfect be curious not judgmental it's uh yeah like you say you don't know always know what's going on with people and uh yeah just approach everything with curiosity and empathy and you will go far it's not something that we're always able to do god knows i struggle with it sometimes and fall short but uh i always try and make it right when i realize that i've got it wrong and if you've got an idea dan will tell you get it down on paper if you've been sitting on this for a while if if the pandemic um took the wind out of your sail maybe maybe right now is not exactly the right time but keep that you got that uh idea um don't forget to write it out if you've got that guitar that's been sitting there, pick it up, start writing. Uh, but, Dan, this has been perfect. I would love to have you back on. Um, if we could do another episode uh, next year sometime. Absolutely. In? Yeah. I, yeah you, you, you name the time and the place, man, and, I will, I, and I will, uh, I will, I'll move some things around and I'll make it happen. Okay, Dan. Have a great night. And, uh, folks... Be good, and I'll see you next Sunday on the Dan Time Podcast. All right, if you love that episode, if you're enjoying the Dan Time Podcast, be sure to download and subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can reach me at dantimepod at gmail.com. If you've got a free finger tap and you can scroll down and pop in a five-star review, I'd be thrilled thrilled if you do that uh you don't even have to leave your name or email you don't have to write anything but i mean i'd appreciate a written review as well if you really want to connect with dan time through the week visit any of the social media pages i'm on x facebook instagram youtube you can't miss me i don't think um and if nothing else as i've said before just talk about the show if you're having a good time with it tell your friends about it send a text about it I appreciate you as a listener. Hope you have a great week. I'll see you next Sunday.